Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I am joined by an extremely fascinating individual who I've gotten to meet and observe over the years down here in Nicaragua who has just captivated me with some of his antics and some of the things that he's really passionate about. And he's a very powerful individual as you see him move through the town and interact with the individuals that come through town and the, the things that he provides to those who choose to join in some of his ceremonies on the beach and I'm just so happy to welcome Shine to the show, a.k.a. Shane Rilling, and uh, hear more of his story because I think there's a lot of insightful things you can offer us and and bring us into your world as a traveler and entrepreneur and just beautiful individual. So welcome, Shine. Muchas gracias. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Chafin. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you, man. I mean, this was last minute. You jumped on board and I couldn't be happier and... Um, maybe we can just start with a little bit of your background because I, I know you're from Ojai, originally California. Yeah, uh-huh. Can you talk about a little bit of your upbringing? Yeah. Um, I was born in Santa Barbara, grew up in Ojai and Ojai is a pretty unique place. There's a like strong, I would say spiritual kind of earth centered culture there. Um, a lot of indigenous elders from around the world come there to give teachings and ceremonies and, some really beautiful nature, and it's also 20 minutes from the beach with some good waves. Uh, so yeah, a neat place to grow up. Did you go to like a conventional school there? like, or did I you? went to several different schools. I went to a really unconventional school from like maybe first to fourth grade called Discovery Place, which was held at a, an intentional community. It's like 13 kids, and it was a pre- like a homeschool, basically. And... That was amazing. We just, we played a lot and did a lot of creative projects, storytelling and art and music. And, uh, all the learning was one on one with the teacher tutoring. And I think that just kind of allowed me to develop this love for learning without the normal pressure and judgment that's on most learning systems. So I was pretty scared when I went into public school after that in fifth grade because I thought I was like really behind and, I was kind of behind in reading and stuff, but uh, once I caught on, I ended up getting like straight A's, you know, a couple of semesters in, and then I ended up getting straight A's pretty much all the way through my uh, university experience, and yeah, I really love learning and teaching and expanding my consciousness. That's amazing. Where'd you yeah. go to university, if you don't mind me asking? University of San Diego. Okay. Yeah, and I have an um, honors degree in biology, and I have a minor in psychology, Spanish and philosophy. Wow. Good for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. We have a mutual friend actually who, uh, was a little younger than you, I believe in high school, Matt Lightchip. Yeah. Yeah. And he came down to surf. Yeah. yeah, He He lives, he grew up on my block. No way. He was a surf guide for me. And then, um, I got to know him and, and hear just a little bit more about your story. And, um, he was always fascinated by you as well. Just your athletic ability. He always complimented you on Mm. in high school, Mm. not to mention your, um, academic, um, 
achievements, mm -hmm. you know, where you're tutoring people in physics and math. And he was always had nothing but really kind mm -hmm. things to say about you and was intrigued just by your ability to kind of, he said, effortlessly flow through school, mm -hmm. athletics and, mm -hmm. and such things. And so, um, it's interesting to hear you talk about coming in to, I guess, more conventional school with that, like insecurity of maybe not being smart enough or fitting in yeah. and then excelling in the way you did. Did you have any sort of understanding that you had that academic ability prior to learning you had it more in the conventional way? Well, I mean, I didn't learn how to read at all till I was eight. Like I wasn't interested in reading. And so the whole side of my family on my mom's side was like extremely worried about me. And they thought I had like a, maybe a learning disability or something. So, um, yeah, I didn't really, I mean, I really liked learning about animals and things, so I could kind of learn about whatever I wanted, but school-wise, I had kind of a low self-esteem of myself until I started working in that system. Interesting. Yeah. And um, have you ever actually held down like a nine-to-five? Did you ever, after like university, go into the, the workforce and like do the nine-to-five sure. in, in California or anywhere in the States? So my plan was to get a PhD afterwards. So I took all the entrance um, tests and passed all those. And like I was in my senior year and a friend of mine from Brazil was like, Hey, you should just like take a year off and travel. And like the moment he said it, I'm like, I'm going to do that. You know, I just like resonated as true. And so I did. And I, I uh, took this amazing trip all through Mexico, driving with my brother all on the West coast down to like Oaxaca and surfing a bunch. And, uh, took a trip to Indonesia and backpacking. And I just, the other thing that happened simultaneously was I started reading books that I was interested in because I had always been reading the textbooks and just got tapped into some really amazing, like pure life wisdom books, things on Taoism and breathing exercises and meditation and just basic like human energy, how our system works and how by, understanding the food we eat and the thoughts we think and our activities, we can cultivate our own energy at much higher levels. And then anything we want to do, we're going to be able to do it that much better. So that really started changing my life. And once I got on that path of reading my own books and following that interest, it was simultaneously traveling and learning other languages and just really getting opened up by the other cultures. I, uh, just didn't feel inspired to go back into a system where I was kind of being forced to learn things where maybe only like, I don't know, five to 10% of it was what I really wanted to know about. And the rest was just like something mandatory. Mm -hmm. So I, so I didn't go back. And, uh, Can I ask how you were funding your, your ventures? I started doing academic tutoring. So I would like, you know, go on a trip for a couple of months and then come back into Ojai and do academic tutoring for all ages, really okay. a lot of high school stuff. So that was my, the main thing I did. Okay. Yeah. And then what was your first like business after you kind of started settling into what you found the passion for? My brother and I started a company called art and uh, it was like a clothing company, but it was really like involving everything that we love to do. So it was like surfing and skateboarding and um, eating healthy food and music so it was a bigger vision and we didn't really know anything about that industry. We're just like, yeah, we're going to start a company. So we made some really cool shirts and like, um, did some cool stuff, but we didn't have a developed business plan or approach. Mm -hmm. um, 
it was a cool learning experience that went on for like, yeah, several years. You know, we did like the creative side was very successful, but like the 3D side needed more, uh, more to it. <laughs> was it profitable? No, I would no. say not. <laughs> Overall, not really. You know, I mean, like sustained it for a few years though. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. When, uh, did you have the inspiration to start P-Sticks? And can you explain what P-Sticks is? Yeah. Um, P-Sticks started probably about 11 years ago. I was on a hike with my brother and a really good friend of mine who I played music with and our dog, Spot, who's a Rottweiler. And I've always been really close to um, dogs throughout my life. My mom had a German Shepherd when I was born and we had Rottweilers that were like my best friends and really communicated with them like on deep levels and that was kind of what inspired me to major in biology it was just like this i felt like i saw so much more in the animal kingdom than most people most was like oh it's just a dog but for me i'm like really saw these intelligent compassionate beings and um and yeah he was i played sticks with him in a lot of different forms he was like really smart so we had all these different games that we would play with sticks and he was on this hike, and anyhow, my brother and I just, we were in this old-growth oak forest, picked up some sticks and started throwing them back, really, without any plan or thinking about it, and just really went into this, like, deep zone flow state. And we had played sports together always growing up and surfed and skate, so we really knew what that felt like to get into that sort of rhythm and pure presence. And we just went, like, really deep, and we're like, whoa, what, what do we just do? And... uh Probably for like the next four years, I would just like look for sticks that looked good and ask random people, hey, you want to throw these sticks with me? Cause, and every time I did it, I was learning new things about what it was and really observing the intelligence and capacity of my own life system. Because I would just do things that seemed impossible. Once I got in the zone and the sticks were flying, it's like just catch them out of nowhere, you know, no matter how fast it was. So now can we just describe real quick to the audience what, like when you stay throwing sticks to yeah. each other, what that means? Like you're not trying to spear each other. Like, <laughs> can you explain right. the rhythm that you start to try to create with the, your partner? Totally. Yeah. Um, well, you know, now I have, you know, many, many years of experience teaching it to people, taught thousands of different people. So um, I can explain it in those terms. And, um, what I say now is when you throw the stick to your friend, you throw it like a loving rainbow. So it's always with the intention to help your your friend catch the stick. And send the basic form, each person has one stick, and you maybe stand like 10 feet apart. You can vary the distance. And you throw it at the same time. And so you both throw the stick. Throw it again. And basically it's, it starts a rhythm. And so you get in this rhythm and you're throwing the sticks back and forth, always with the intention to help the other person catch it. And, you know, it can be very, very simple and basic from like a little three-year-old where you hold the stick with two hands and just toss it. You almost place it in their hands and they place it back. That's, you're playing peace sticks. And at a high level, you can have three to four sticks, varying sizes, throwing them really fast, spinning, and it's like a full-on ninja activity. <laughs> And is there a winner or loser? Or is it just all about the act of trying to get in that flow state, remain present, and really feel that sort of connection to not just your partner, but the sticks and the movements and just being there with them? Yeah, you pretty much uh, got it exactly. There is, there's no winning and losing. And I feel like that's one of like the greatest powers and gifts of this practice. Um, I played a lot of competitive sports and 
it's amazing to see what happens in this. Your your only goal is to help the other person, and it will only work if you're choosing to help each other because it's very easy to like throw a stick that someone can't catch, you know. So, let's see. Basically, the flow state, you know, which we've seen like Michael Jordan or Kelly Slater go into these states where they're just doing things that seem impossible, is a state of no mind. You know, there's not any thinking going on. It's just pure awareness of what's happening and moving at like the highest synchronicity. And when you're in, if you're in a competitive sport, if you're at all worried about the judgment, if you're worried about what you look like, if you're too worried about what the score is, if you're worried about being better or worse, any thought. Is actually detracting from the ability to be in that pure flow state, and so the, yeah, there's something magical that happens. That it's like basically everyone that plays this because you're choosing to help each other. If you play it for a while, you'll go into that state, and it's an amazing feeling. It's a meditation, and um, you know a lot of people, especially in the West, have never experienced meditation. Have never been in, even myself. If I sit down to meditate. It's very hard for me to actually get to that place, but when I am moving, when I'm throwing these sticks or surfing, I can go into it, and it's like you know, beautiful feeling.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I can relate a lot just through my surfing and knowing that when I'm riding a wave, there is no mind, and it's、yeah. the only true peacefulness I feel throughout most of my days. You、yeah. know, with just that、yeah. oneness and that that present moment with that energy of the ocean, it's yeah, very relaxing and, and freeing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, what's the most profound thing that you've experienced after going into one of these flow states and coming out?、Hmm. It's basically like a a very very heightened sense of energy, my own energy and energy of other people, and in that state, it's like the basically like psychic. Things happen like when they're talking about the force,、mm-hmm. like it happens. Like the stick will just fly into your hand. Sometimes without when you're doing multiple sticks, sometimes you don't see the stick. You're looking at something else, and all of a sudden you caught the stick, and you're like, "Whoa, how did that happen?" <laughs> um, and when we do the the teachings, we do it as a, a world peace ceremony. So sometimes I'm guiding people, you know, thirty people through a teaching, and at the end part of it, we go into a big circle, and we'll have drums. And make a rhythm with the stick. So everyone's making a rhythm in a big circle, and then two people go inside and play in that circle. And、um, there's just—it's like a, a tribal ceremony that human beings have done on the planet for years in all these cultures. That's just about uniting everyone, like coming together. And we always finish it with a prayer, like. Sending our thanks to the earth for all the food and all the plants and the animals, and with that intention for life on this planet to thrive. And、uh, I've seen I teach it at rehab centers, drug and alcohol rehab centers, and、um, I've had a lot of people come in at the beginning with like physical injuries, and at the end, when we pass the talking stick to share, they'll say like that they can't feel their injury anymore. That like. They don't even notice it, and a lot of people will say that it's the first time that they stopped thinking about their problems, or the first time that they really laughed and felt accepted. You know, some of these people are fifty or sixty years old, and it's like they hadn't felt that since they were a kid. So, in some ways, yeah, it's like these mini miracles. You know, physical, emotional, mental healings that happen from it.、Um, and、uh, yeah, it's pretty beautiful. Awesome. <laughs> how how big is this peace stick movement? I mean, how big have you grown it? 
That's a good question. The, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, there's some different ways to measure it, but I definitely have had like experiences of showing up some random place and there's people playing that like I don't know or didn't know about. So that's always cool. I think on Facebook we probably have like two thousand something likes on our page. Mm-hmm. And some of the YouTube videos with P6 have, I don't know, maybe like 5,000 or 10,000, you know. So nothing like huge, nothing blown out of the box, but it's definitely steadily growing. And um, Now, is this a profitable entity? Are you making money from this movement, or is this just purely for the love of throwing sticks to one another? It's become more and more profitable. At the beginning, I did like all the, most of the teachings were free or by donation and once I started doing those, I got invited to do the peace ceremonies and teachings different places. So um, we do them at quite a few transformational festivals, and oftentimes they'll pay, pay me to come. Or now I work at the rehab center called Passages, which is actually like one of the number one rehabs in the world. It's in Malibu, right on the beach. And so that's a paying gig. I go twice a month, and they pay me. Um, and with the peace sticks themselves that we make in Nicaragua, we sell those like in person and online. So, um, yeah, so it's starting to generate some income and that feels really good. You know, it's really amazing because the, the project itself is asking for so much, like there's so much potential and so many things on my to-do list of like how it's going to grow. So every time something comes in, that's fueling more growth. So it feels great. It's great. Congratulations. What brought you to Nicaragua originally? Surfing. I just uh, heard heard Nicaragua had some awesome waves and came down here to surf. And uh, when I showed up in El Gigante, I seemed like, you know, starting the first day, I just had all these very synchronistic experiences, meeting people who had either just moved here or had looked all over the world and, like, chose this as the spot they wanted to live. And on top of that, just happened to surf some incredibly amazing waves those first few days and just the nature here was like so so amazing so it had been a dream for a long time to have a place somewhere in nature with some nice waves and um so yeah the seed got planted pretty quick the moment i stepped onto this this beach are all of your pea sticks made here or do you make them in other locations as well like a high 90% of the sticks are made here. Like I had made, obviously I'd made them in California before coming here, um, out of uh, driftwood and bamboo and other lightweight sticks that seemed like they'd be good. And when I came here and, uh, just started talking to the local people, feeling like their enthusiasm about really kind of any creative project. And I'd brought some sticks. So I just showed them the sticks that I brought and I'm like, Hey, you guys have any wood that would be really good here and like they came back the same day with just tibulote and guasimo which are two of the most common trees around here and really was like the ideal wood to make peace sticks out of because it's really light strong also makes a nice rhythm when you hit them together and so yeah we started and so i've been making sticks down here about six five or six years now and um, do you have like a manufacturing facility or is it just by hand from the locals and then, and then you carry him home in your in your bag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, basically, once once people started hearing like that, I was paying people to make sticks. 
I just have like more and more people show up on the doorstep like, hey, can I make 200 sticks? Can I make 300 sticks? Or, you know, and oftentimes it's connected to some like very real life need. Like, hey, I have three kids and I don't have any work. Can I make 200 sticks? Or, hey, my mom is sick and we need to pay for this bill. Can I make this? And so it's pretty neat to actually feel like this genuine connection to helping someone's life by creating with them. And um, I would say like over the years, we've probably worked with like maybe over 60 different people down here. And um, it's been amazing painting with the kids because basically we, mostly it's like the men and teenagers that harvest the sticks and then they bring them to the peace center and then we paint them with all the kids. And, uh, you know, it's usually like this whole tribe of kids from like the one year old to the 16 or 17 and every age in between, like the whole families. And, um, like over these years, I've seen them grow so much artistically. Like I really like painting and stuff. So I would work, I would like paint something and then help them paint some, some models. And now it's like, you know, some of them are like master artists, you know, and wa- watching them bloom has been really amazing. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, I know you're also a musician. Yeah. Before we touch into that, like, I just want to kind of just really wrap my head around the peace stick movement and, and how you're making it work, which is, you know, is everything you do now really related to this peace stick movement? Like when you go back, like you're contracted to go to festivals, you work with the rehab, like, is that your sole money making venture? That and music. Yeah. And music. So, yeah. And, I would, I still occasionally do academic tutoring and life coaching. Um, but that's really kind of faded out as peace sticks and the music have grown. So let's, yeah, perfect segue into the music thing because yeah. I know you have a, your first music video coming out or um, album coming out. Sorry. Yeah. We, we released the album, um, last summer, One Love Vibration. And, um, I actually, I've made one, I've made two music videos, but this one that we just shot was like on a whole nother level. Uh, so. And your, and your group is called, um, Shining Lion, Shining Lion Music? Yeah, Shining, yeah, that's the website, shininglionmusic.com and Shining Lion. Okay. And in your one, one man band, or do you have a a group behind you? Like, can you describe your music style and how it all flows and and how you make money off of it? (laughs) Sure. Um, so. I perform in different, um, formations, you know, sometimes I'll perform just using instrumental tracks and singing myself. And then I have, a a couple other female vocalists that I work with. And sometimes we'll bring in like a full live band. So depending on where we're at and this last album I made primarily with a producer named Oliwa, just like super music genius. And we, yeah, made all the, all the songs from scratch together um, just building using um, acoustic instruments and also using some electronic elements. It's pretty amazing right now that you can basically sample like any instrument from around the world. So you can just you know bring in beautiful African instruments or tablas from India. So it's it's an amazing palette to create with. That's cool. Yeah. And is it sometimes just instrumental, or is there always vocals laid over the top? A lot of vocals, like yeah. Uh, this album, the whole album has vocals, yeah. Okay. And how's the, how's the response been? I mean, do you have a lot of people enthusiastic about this new album or? Yeah, the response has been amazing. Pretty much more than I could have imagined. Uh, every, everyone who's got this CD, 
most people tell me once they get the CD in their car that it stayed in there for like many months or a year and that they listen to it like all the time. It's like the type of music that keeps growing on people. And uh, kids seem to like especially love it, even though it's not targeted as a kid's album. But for some reason, like anyone who has kids will come back and be like, my kids ask for your music like every day in the car. So that's Yeah, what's cool. the message? I mean, what, what, what kind of lyrics are you spitting at? Yeah, the, the music and the lyrics are very much like a world peace consciousness, which, you know, ties in with peace sticks. But I've traveled a lot and I speak several languages and really just kind of having this unique opportunity to see how different life is in different places and also seeing the gravity of the situation on the planet right now, you know, with the war and the environmental destruction and pollution and like really having a, a grip and a firsthand experience on that side of it. And then seeing all these, uh, systems, you know, like the, the drug companies and the food company and all, all these systems that are f causing that. And so it is really, it's revolutionary in the sense that it's addressing what's happening on the planet and, enlightening this path to a future where we can live in harmony and vitality. And that really involves, you know, people all over the world from all these different cultures uniting in the, the world culture. Mm -hmm. And so the music itself, you know, has a lot of influences from around the world. It has reggae, hip hop, tribal, some Latin. And, um, and you sing in multiple languages or yeah. Is it, yeah. Yeah. How many languages do you speak? Uh, so I speak Spanish, English, and French, like Spanish and English fluid, fluently, French pretty much. And then I speak like some Portuguese and some Indonesian. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then so when you are seeing in other languages, do you have one that you gravitate towards? Like are you seeing primarily in Spanish because you're fluent or do you also speak in, or sing in Indonesian? <laughs> <laughs> this album is, mo this album is mostly English. It has some Spanish and like, it has some words from other languages too. I had another album that I did, you know, maybe like 40% Spanish and mm -hmm. some other languages too. Did you uh, top any charts in Latin America for that? Not yet, but Not yet. I think when they, I think if it gets in the right hands, you know, that's the, you know, it's kind of the mystery, the lottery of the music world. It's like, you know, if that right song gets in the right person's hands, it can kind of multiply exponentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to circle back actually because it's on my mind, you know, with your degree in biology and you're obviously very connected to Mother Earth and, and then the readings you've done, you know, on the spiritual teachings of Eastern philosophies and so forth. Yeah. You know, how did you marry those two together and what kind of conclusions did you draw from, you know, just the understanding of the uh, biology? Yeah. And then understanding now the energy behind it. Yeah. Thanks. That's an awesome question. Um, I think that was, you know, one of the primary drives to study biology was in a sense, like I said, this connection to my dogs and feeling like this genuine appreciation and love for their intelligence and way of life. And as I went through my biology degree, it was something I felt was missing a lot is more the, the love and the energy and the spiritual connection to nature. Because a lot of times biology is very like cut and dry and you're just observing things. And when I look at the planet as a whole, I see that 
so much of the tragedy that we're facing is due to the human disconnect with nature, not feeling a love or not feeling connected or being willing to like compromise nature or, or, and oftentimes people in our venture to make money. Like that's kind of how most of the capitalism's going or has gone. So learning like the, a lot of Native American philosophy and Eastern philosophy, which is very much about the, the energetic connection and the energetic wisdom and knowledge of all the plants and the animals and how humans like can harmonize with that world. Um, it's just like very, very real and very beautiful. And I really see that as like a, a huge key to healing the planet is reconnecting with that sort of indigenous wisdom and connection to nature. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe give us an idea of maybe the key or like a key to make that connection? I mean, I know you've talked about that flow state with the pea sticks, Uh you know, becoming very present and like toning down the mind. Would you say that's a key to really starting to understand and connect and feel that, that energy that you speak of? Definitely. Definitely. Are there others? Okay, so now I'm going to ask. So the qu- okay, I think there are two questions. So one of the questions was one of the keys to healing the planet, or well, the connecting the, to nature. Or- yeah, yeah, kind of. They're yeah, they're intertwined, you know. So, I mean, I think a lot of people who are healing the planet, yeah, and in this is my just opinion, are still, I think, unconscious in the way they're trying to heal the planet. Uh huh. They are attacking certain ideals, right? Of other people uh-huh. thinking that their ideal is better right, and it's right. going to heal the planet faster. Uh-huh. Um, whereas my question is, yeah, is there, is there kind of one sort of key in your opinion that both sides of the argument could maybe agree with and saying like, this is, is going to get us there quicker. Mm. I don't know if I'm articulating myself yeah, very yeah. clearly, but I just like what you do with the, the peace sticks. Cause for me, like, I, I, I'm drawn to that idea right. of quieting the mind, that flow state. And if we all operated from that flow state, true creativity, true consciousness, then can flower yeah. and the answers then show themselves to us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the, the huge keys that people actually get to live when they play peace sticks is the feeling of collaboration and connectedness and like a genuine caring for each other. And to see that that really is what works. Because if you try to help the other person every time you throw it and they do that same thing for you, um, you're able to go into that flow state at a very deep level. And it feels amazing. And when you finish playing with someone like that, you're just like, yeah, bro, like, give me a hug. Like, that was so amazing. Like, because you've, you felt it together. And that paradigm shift, I believe, is one of the huge keys. Because most of the things we've been doing are about competition. You know, whether it's like a board game or it's your grades at school or you're on the football team or you're in a corporation. It's like, how can we be better than someone else? And when you're just trying to be better than someone else or you're trying to win, sometimes people will do anything to win, you know, whether that means like cutting down the rainforest or it means like employing people in sweatshop labor or it means polluting the ocean while you're trying to make your product so it can be cheaper to win. So it's like if we can change that, mind state from competition to collaboration to think, okay, I want to make something and how could I help like everyone along the way as I make this thing? You know, if I'm going to grow some coffee, like how can I help the forest where I grow the coffee? How can I help the farmers? 
how can I like ship it in the way with the least pollution and how can I make it organic and this and this so that the person that drinks it actually it benefits their health. So I think that is the type of thinking that will heal the planet. And, you know, I'm doing my best to do that with peace sticks, like in all those ways, help every person that works on the project, give them like food and see what they need, bring some clothes down and employ them. And, um, as we give the sticks to someone else, like help them play and get a healing from playing with it and, mm-hmm. and get that feeling that, yeah. you know, a lot of people probably haven't felt, I mean, mm-hmm. like you described earlier, um, competition does bring it out at times. You yeah. Know? And I know a lot of, uh, coaches and whatnot try to train their athletes to really get in that flow state because yeah. that's where you really optimally can prosper in whatever you're doing yeah and i like how you're doing it. that's really cool i mean that was a beautiful answer by the way the way you articulated that i really appreciate you bringing that mm. out yeah um you know my podcast is about trying to inspire those who are in a life situation that they might not be happy in right um and I bring people on like yourself. I mean, you've designed an incredible life for yourself. You're doing what you love, what you want. You're making money at it. Uh-huh. I try to re- re- bring in a realistic perspective, you know, like mm-hmm. how you actually feeding yourself and your family. Yeah. Cause you have children. Is that correct? Yeah. I have two kids. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, and you're doing it. You get to travel and you get to do what you love. Yeah. Can you maybe impart some wisdom, some thoughts, some feelings for it, all, all my listeners out there who might want to attempt to design a life mm. in more favor of what they want? That's more in line with their belief systems. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first and kind of overall theme to the ways that I've changed my life is to really look at everything and realize that there's choices. You know, you've got a lot of choices to do with your time and what you buy and what you think that it's all, um, and that almost everything could be upgraded. It's just, we upgrade our iPhone every year. Like, we can upgrade our thoughts, we can upgrade our language, we can upgrade the use of our time, our creativity, and upgrade everything we eat. So I think it's really important to like evaluate everything we're doing. You know, if like if you wake up in the morning and you're eating your cereal, like read that box. Like, does it have blue number six and sugar and da 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 da? And is that fuel you're running on every day? And if so, if you can find something better to eat that's maybe organic. And you switch that out, it's like, boom, you're, you're one step closer. Okay. Now you can go on to the next thing. You know, maybe it's, maybe you're watching the news every day and it's like, you know, really fear-based negative news. And you go through the day kind of afraid every day because all it's showing you is everything bad happening in the world. And you go, okay, well, maybe I can like turn that off and instead read a book about something that I really love and want to learn about. And now you're going through your day thinking about, cool, I'm going to like, learn whatever it is or develop this skill that's like something that you love and now that's going in your mind the whole day and um yeah just realizing that you do have the power to like change and choose everything in your life and to just start doing it start being in the practice of continually upgrading and like like i mentioned earlier in a lot of like taoism and yoga or other things like that all those teachings are about cultivating our own energy, which then we can use for creation to heal each other, to heal ourselves. So the more life force we cultivate through our just daily lives, the more potential we have to create whatever we want. And, um, and I think that's a big part of it too, is just continually envisioning, focusing on learning about what it is we want to do. Cause then that brings it to life. 
Beautifully said. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah. If um, my listeners would like to contact you to learn more about Peace Sticks or get um, insight into your music, where can they go to find you? Um, so music, shininglionmusic.com. You can also find that album, One Love Vibration by Shining Lion on like Spotify or YouTube, iTunes. And Peace Sticks is peacesticks.com. We also have a Facebook page for Shining Lion and for Peace Sticks. And Facebook's a cool way to connect. And yeah, you can order CDs and get some Peace Sticks. And we've been making uh, friendship bracelets and a lot of just other cool like artistic crafts with the people here. Um, so definitely encourage people to support the, the community here in Nicaragua. You know, the people are living so simply and oftentimes with like nothing, you know, it's really nothing com compared to what we have. And, um, it's really a huge, like gift to sell a pair of peace sticks in the U S and bring that money back down here and like hook the people up with a bunch of amazing food and pay so them, portion pay goes them back the in the community. Yeah. I mean, it's always going back into it. That's kind of like the cycle. Like I'll make as many sticks as I can here with the people go and sell them. And then I'll come back down with that money and like, put it into improving our peace center, helping the people, you know, with different medical needs or food needs, and then as well as paying them for their work. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's an awesome cycle. Beautiful, man. Thank yeah. you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out and spread your wings and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it, it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.